0: Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. My title is A Word from the Lord. Um, let me just start with a, with a story. Recently, someone came up to me and said that they had a word from God, something that God had told. And as they're telling me this, I'm thinking, Does the Bible contradicts what you're saying God was telling you, that God was controlling these things, and the Bible's... It doesn't say that God controls you and I. In fact, it doesn't say that he's in control. It says that God knows the end from the beginning. In Romans, it says that those he foreknew, he also predestined. So he knows what it is that we are going to do. And he, he knows what's coming, but he's not controlling it. I told this person, they're like, no, 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 God told me this. I'm like, no, he didn't because it doesn't line up with what the word of God says. That's, that's the filter that we are given. But when, it, when we think about a word from the Lord, I don't think a single person in here, whether you say that you are a word-believing, faith-talking, I'm a child of the king, whether you believe every word that's in the Bible or not, I don't think there's a single person in here that if an angel showed up in front of you with wings and all that stuff and just like, boom, right there, and gave you, said, this is what you need to do. God is, do this. God is telling you to do this. I don't think there's a single one of us that would be like, no, I'm not gonna do it. We'd be like, yes, right away. I think, I think, I think, it doesn't matter where you stand, we'd wanna do it. We, We would do that. I think there's people here right now that are waiting, looking, seek, actively seeking direction and guidance, wisdom about some different things and areas, looking for a word from the Lord. And, and genuinely, that, that does that does happen. It was uh, just this week after church ran a a friend, I see a friend coming over here. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't seen this guy in forever. And I went up to, to say hi and to give him a hug. And he goes, uh, goes oh, whoa, 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 as I'm coming up to him, he does this thing. And I'm like, I'm normally the guy going like, don't hug me, don't hug me, don't hug me. I'm like, what, what, what's, what's going on? He goes, don't, don't do that, I almost, I almost died this week. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. He's like, you gotta hear this. So he tells me this story. He says, uh, some friends and I were in a car. We were headed down to a wedding. And as we were driving down the road, he says, I was in the back. Uh, My wife was in the back, a buddy. So it sounded like there was about five of them in the car. And he said, I'm just chilling in the back of the car. He goes, and God told me that we needed to buckle up. So I buckled up. I told everybody in the car that they need to buckle up. He said, one of my friends buckled up. And he goes, but my wife, she says, Peyton, she didn't want to buckle up. She goes, we, I, don't, I never buckle up in the back of the car. And I was like, I don't either, but God is telling me right now that everyone in this car needs to buckle up. So she says she doesn't want to, but she says, all right, you're, you're asking me to, so, so I will. So she buckles up. They're cruising down the expressway, 75 miles an hour. 15 minutes later, their explorer is flipping three times, rolling in the median. Fifteen minutes later, they're rolling in the median. Everybody is okay. Everyone is okay. The worst was some cuts on the side of my buddy's head and some stuff in his ear. That was he said that he said the only really real reason I went to the hospital was because it was having trouble stopping bleeding. It was just some he goes but everybody's everybody is fine. Everyone is one hundred percent fine. I hear that story, and I'm just like. Wow, you weren't buckled up. You don't buckle up in the back of the car. Your friend buckled up and your wife buckled up as a result. That's awesome. That is awesome. And then part of me, part of me goes to the, well, if he can warn me to buckle up, can he say, like, slow down a half mile an hour or exit here or watch out for the moron in the green car? I mean, <laughs> like, is, is, is there something else there? But yet at the same time, I look, and I think what the devil intended for evil, God used for good. Everyone in that car, everyone in the car is absolutely okay. Not everyone was a Christian, yet they just heard somebody in the back of the car say, God's telling me that we need to buckle up. And people that don't believe in God just saw the result of a relationship with God and what happens when we're attentive and we can hear his voice. I know his relationship with his wife is, at a, is gonna be at a different level. You can't go through something like that and have direction given like that and know that what you just avoided and, and go through The rest of your relationship, the same. So tonight's message is entitled, A Word from the Lord. And most of the time, when I say that, it's stories like that that most of us think of. We think of the crazy person walked up and just kind of like began to read my mail, knew things about me, tell me this type of thing, tell me this stuff. But there's something that few of us think of and it's this. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you've got an iPad, a phone, a book, a page, a paper, a thing, something. If you're taking notes, write it down. Otherwise, turn there and why don't we read this together. 2 Timothy chapter 3. See, there's... There's more than just. There's more than, and I I hate to use the word just, but often that's what we do is we think, if God's gonna speak to me, he's gonna use this. It's gotta come to me this particular way. It's it's gotta come this way. Yet, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is God's word. If you or I need a word from the Lord, we can simply go to the Bible. I know, it almost seems too simple. Like it can't, like, like really, no way. No, I need, I need, I need something different. I need someone to come up to me at seven o'clock on the seventh day of the seventh month, which is this month, so like six, four days. Okay, seven o'clock at the seven, 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 because seven is like something spiritual in the Bible. I don't remember, but it's something. Like, and then I want them to come up to me and I want them to know like, my high school nickname that people used to call me and call me by that, but they can't have gone to my high school because that'd be too easy. And then they're gonna tell me this and they're gonna give me the direction and then I'll go do it. That's how it's supposed to work. But yet, I think we are overlooking what is right in front of us. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. I think so often we're looking for a word from God and direction from something over here and God's like, I've given it to you. It's right there in front of you. You don't need pixie dust. You don't need the tingly-wingly things going up and down your neck. He's like, it's right there in front of you. It's right there. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Samuel. Awesome name. I know what you're thinking. I know, I know. But this is is Samuel. And he, as a child, his mother brought him to the temple, to, to, to the church, to be raised. We don't do that, okay? This is in the Bible. After service tonight, you need to pick up your kids, take them with you. We do not raise kids. But that's exactly what happened here. Samuel was raised at the temple. He was raised at the temple, and that's where he grew up. Well, he's there, and some years had gone by. He'd been there a while now. Eli the priest is asleep. Samuel's supposed to be asleep, too. And suddenly, he hears a voice. At this point, Eli's eyes are kind of like going. They're not really good, and Samuel wakes up and thinks, oh, Eli's calling me. So he gets up, and he runs there. He says, Eli, what's up? And Eli's like, I I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Seriously, go, go, go. So he goes, I'm paraphrasing some of this. It's in the Bible. You you can read this first Samuel chapter three. So he goes back to bed. Again, he hears his name and he's like, "Okay, okay, Eli. So he gets up and he goes in there and he's like, all right, crazy old man, you called me again. What is this? And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back in there. This happens three times. And the third time Eli says, okay, I think I know what's going on. I think this is God wanting to speak to you. Go back to your bed and lay down. And if you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back. He goes back to bed. And sure enough, God calls to him again. He wakes up. He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God speaks to Samuel. And he continues to do that throughout Samuel's life. And here we're gonna read it and we're gonna jump into the story at 1 Samuel three nineteen, and it says this. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was an attested prophet of the Lord and the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel. Underline, highlight this, through his word. He revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Through the same thing that you and I have right now. Not through special voices and things, but through his word, he revealed himself to Samuel. I think sometimes we think it's too easy. We think it, can't, it cannot be that easy. What, my problems cannot be solved that easy. There's, there's, there's gotta be more to it. But really, it can be that simple. As saying, okay, God, I'm gonna look. I mean, the Bible says, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open, ask and you will receive. When we begin to say, God, I'm gonna, I, I, I want the answer here. Because here's what happens is we want to we skip what's right in front of us. And we want to say, God, show me something. I, I need more than this. And God's like, you haven't even opened that book. You haven't even downloaded You downloaded the app like when you bought the phone and it's just been sitting there. You still got to log in and all that stuff. You haven't done anything with it. Well, it says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. If we, if we look at the example of Philip in the book of Acts, he's told to first to go to the street. So he goes to the street. And then he gets to the street and he's like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? And by the way, an angel told him to do this. An angel didn't tell him the end result, he gave him steps. And when he got there, then the angel said, okay, now go over by this cart. So he walks over and he stands by the cart. And he hears what's going on in the cart and all of a sudden he knows what to do. And he ends up ministering to and leading this Ethiopian to Christ. But he was given steps. I think many of us are waiting and wanting something from God. We want this direction, we wanna know for sure, we wanna feel this peace in this area, and God's like, "I've, I've answered that question. It's right there in the Bible. I've already answered the question. Stop looking for something more when you won't look at what is right in front of you. Begin to look right there. There's another story in the Bible of a man named Naaman. Well, this guy had a nasty disease. He, he he had a nasty disease, leprosy, and it wasn't like uh, leprosy was one of those like you you get this and you, you, no one wants to be around you, highly contagious, just a just a really not not fun disease. And we we sang a, a song about this at camp because that's what you do at camp, you sing weird songs. But anyways, it was uh, and I, I I normally don't sing but but I, I'm gonna sing this one, leprosy, and the song. Kind of helps you understand a bit of the sickness, I think. It goes like this. It says, leprosy. Bits and pieces falling off of me. Oh, yes, I believe it's leprosy. Kiss me quick. I'm about to lose my upper lip. I don't even have a nose to pick. Yes, I believe it's leprosy. And the, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. But this is just a nasty disease where seriously parts of your body would fall off. You scratch it and now it's gone. You'd go blind because how many of you right now have been thinking about like blinking? We, you, you don't have to because your body just blinks. The nerves in your eyes say I, I, you need to blink and your body blinks. Those nerves go dead and you're, you stop blinking and so you'd, you'd, you'd go blind. It was nasty nasty. Naaman has this disease. It's just the beginnings. There's just spots, but when it's there, it's there. There's zero cure for it at the time. They, you get this. It's just like it's a matter of time until things are falling off and you die. It's no good. There's entire colonies. You get this and they would just send you out. They're like, you got that? Go join that nasty group over there to die. That's, that's what they did. That is exactly what they did. So they, Naaman gets this, but he hears he hears that there's a prophet of God that could heal him. So he packs up his camels and things and then, road trip. He's off. He's like, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the prophet. Now, Naaman, Naaman is a pretty big deal. All right? He is a commander. And he's used to being treated like a big deal, because he's a big deal. But he approaches, he approaches. This prophets, Elijah's house. And instead, before he can even get there, God tells Elijah that he's there and Elijah just sends his, sends his servant out and says, hey, this man's coming. Go tell him to dip in the Jordan River seven times and he'll be healed. And Naaman, the big deal's like, what? Not what? Dip in the river. He didn't even come out to talk to me. He wouldn't even come out to talk to me. And then he tells me to dip in the Jordan River. That thing's nasty. That's nasty. I'm I'm not going there. No, I'm not doing that. And he's like, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Throws his camel in reverse. He's like, I am out of here. He's ready to go. And his servant is like, hey, if he'd asked you to crawl over glass to earn this, Would you? I'm paraphrasing again. And the guy's like, yes. If he had had asked you to climb the highest mountain, would you have done it? And he's like, of course. What he's asked you is so simple. Why will you not do it? And I think sometimes, do we do that? Where we think, you know what? It can't be that simple. It can't be that simple. That if I just spend some time reading God's word, that he'll reveal himself to me through his word. It, 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 it can't, five times, six times, seven times, because there's that seven thing again. I told you it's important, it's the Bible thing. So down he goes seven times, he comes back up, and the seventh time he comes back up, and he has skin like a baby's butt. It's a, it's a paraphrase again, but it's, it's, it's really pretty much there. Just crazy smooth skin, but he almost missed it. Because it wasn't what he thought. He said, Surely I thought he would come out, wave his hand over the spot. But because it didn't happen the way that he thought, he almost missed it. He almost missed it. And I can almost hear some of you saying, But I've read the Bible before. I've I've read that before and I still have that question. I, I read the Bible before and it, it didn't, it didn't come, it didn't happen like that for me. And when you say that, I really I think of I think of Joshua and the Israelites. See, God had, God had given them, led them to the promised land. God had promised them some land. They've been in Egypt. They had this whole ordeal getting out. They finally, finally get there. Joshua is now the leader. And God tells Joshua, the first city that you're going to go after is Jericho. And Jericho was well known because Jericho had walls around it. And not like, oh, there's a wall, but like walls with houses in it, walls. Don't know how you're gonna get in. You don't get in unless they let you in walls around it. But God came to Joshua and he said, I'll tell you exactly how to do this. This is how you're gonna do it. You wanna, you wanna get in? You wanna take the city? I'll, I'll fight for you. This is all you gotta do. You're gonna march around the city six times. One, once a day for six days. On the seventh day, there's that seventh thing again. On the seventh day, you're gonna march around the city seven times. And When you complete the seventh time, blow the trumpets, the horns, and the walls will come down. So Joshua tells the people, he tells them this, he says, all right. And Joshua does something interesting here. He tells the people what God said to do, but he adds one thing. He adds one thing that God did not tell him. He said this, he said, all right, we're going to go, God's going to give us the city, we're going to march around it. Six times, once a day for six days. On the seventh day, we're gonna march around it seven times. But then he added this. He said, and no one is to say a word. I think I know why he did that. Because if if I was there, if I was marching around the city, right? I'd be like first day, march around the city and be like, I don't know about this. Yeah, what are you doing? I don't know, we're marching. Do you see anything going on? No. Nah. And what are they saying up on the wall? Are they talking to him? Are they yelling at him? Are they throwing stuff at him? It's a VeggieTales version. They're like throwing slushies down at him and stuff. Like, what's, what are they doing? And then the third day and the fourth day, they're still doing the exact same thing. And if I was there, I'd be like, I don't see a single, do you see a crack? I'd be like, this crackpot. Joshua got us marching around the city. That's the only crack around here. It, It would not be good. So Joshua's like, shh, no, you're not gonna say a word. You're not gonna say a single word. And then when you get around there that seventh time, on that seventh day, scream as loud as you can and the walls will come crumbling down. See, often we think, well, shouldn't I get a little bit now? Where, where is it? I, I don't see it quite yet. Why can't I connect the dots? I don't see it making a difference. Because honestly, there are times where I open up my Bible, and, and really, I feel like I'm punching a time clock. Seriously, I'm like, I, I, I'm reading. I'm not, I'm not really getting a lot. I don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of it. I'm not like taking notes, thinking, oh, I could preach this for months. Oh, this is gonna be great. I don't have little meetings where I call all the kids in and sit down and say, all right, this is what the Lord just told me in this verse. Everybody listen to this. We don't know. No kumbaya no, no, by the fire. It's just, what, what is this? I, I'm reading, and I'm just I'm gonna keep reading. There are times. Then there's other times where I read, and I feel like, oh, this is, this is really what I'm looking for. But I have been, I, I am... So often, so often shocked that I'll read something and be like, okay, you know what? That was that. Was that. I, I read, and I don't really feel like I got a whole lot out of it, but I, but I did it. And I'll walk away, and a day or two or three days later, I'll get a call, I'll get an email, someone will come up, something will ask or a situation will come up, and I'll be like, actually... And I look so much smarter than I am, which really isn't hard, but I look so much smarter than I am because I'm like, you know what? Actually, I was just reading in the Bible where it says, and I have a verse that just hits exactly what's happening, what needs to be happening, and helps to clarify and give direction and just really open up that whole, whole new world. And I'm like, I, I didn't connect it. I didn't, I didn't see it then. I didn't see it then. It really is one of those things where we fill up our tanks so that later we can use it. It really, really is. And God's word, the Bible, it is a word to you. It is so much more than just pages, so much more than just ink and paper. Hebrews chapter 4 Chapter four, verse 12, it says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There is so much in there. It is not just, it's not just words. And as you begin to meditate on that, Psalms 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor sit in the seat of scoffers for his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night he shall be like a tree that is firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in the season and its leaf does not wither it says that we meditate on God's word day and night that when we say, God, this is what I'm going to do, I'm gonna seek you in your word, I'm gonna allow you to reveal yourself to me in your word, that it is gonna make a difference in our lives, then we can say, yeah, I know what is coming, and I can live, I can make decisions based on it. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, saying, God, I want to, I want to seek after you even more, See, the supernatural is great. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. Words of knowledge, that is great and wonderful. And prophecy, that's wonderful. And and God giving a word saying, hey, this is what needs to happen right here is great. But that should always and will always give us an even firmer foundation on God's word. The disciples, the people that are walking around spending three years with Jesus, Jesus' ministry, his miracles, All of it, they're there, they're witness the entire thing. This is what they say in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter one, verse 16 says, for we're not making up clever stories when we told you about the power of the coming of our Lord Christ. We saw, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly beloved son, who brings me great joy, verse 18. We ourselves heard the voice that came from heaven, and when we were with him on that holy mountain, verse 19, because of that experience, we have an even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets, and that is the word of God. And you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your heart. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke, they spoke from God. The supernatural, they said because of what we've seen, because of what we've heard, we have an even greater trust in the Bible, and what they wrote. We have an even greater appreciation for it. Could it be perhaps that you've been looking for something on the outside? God, I need direction for this. I, I, I don't know what to do in this. And it's right there in front of you. Maybe you felt that you're the one that you look and you're like, it hasn't, I've done that before and I just don't feel that, that it's, it's working for me. Imagine if you were that leper who, and you dipped six times and stopped and thought, you know what, it didn't work and walked out. Think of what he would have missed. Imagine the children of Israel. They'd have marched around the city six days and just said, you know what? It didn't work. I don't see anything making a difference. I'm just gonna stop right here. It's, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's not working for me. What they would have missed. See, we're not, we don't have to beg to have a relationship with God. He is begging to have a relationship with you and with me. We're not trying to convince him that, hey, God, I need this, that, or the next thing. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, Jeremiah 29, 11. What he has for us, he says, I want it for you. We're not trying to twist his arm into anything. I encourage you, spend some time reading God's word. I could put your name on it, seal it up, and write from God and give it to you and not a bit of it would be a lie. It would 100% be true. It is from God and it's written for you. All scripture is God-breathed. God is the author. It was written by man and it's been delivered and it's so readily available. But let's not, let's not overlook something simply because it seems too easy, too easy to see, Too accessible. Remember, it's right there, and it is God's word to you and to I. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Before we dismiss tonight, I want to make sure that every single person that can hear my voice knows beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. You know exactly where you stand. See, the Bible says that if if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. So you don't have to wonder. You don't have to think, well, I hope I did enough good or I hope this, that, or the next thing. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you go to heaven. But more than that, you can know. Jesus said, I came to give you life to the fullest. It's much, much more than a get out of hell free card. He said, I came to give you life to the fullest right now. So if you do not know where you would go if you were to die, or if you say, I... I wanna be forgiven, I wanna be set free. I wanna know that I'm forgiven from all of my past. I want all that guilt and shame to be gone. I wanna walk in the peace that comes only through relationship with God. If that's you or if you say, you know what, there was a time that I would say yes, I was a Christian but I've turned my back on God and I've run away and I'm so far from where I know I should be but tonight I wanna come back. I wanna give him all of me, I'm gonna surrender. Jesus says, if we if we ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If you're either of those, I would love to pray with you. And you can leave here tonight knowing that you're on your way to heaven, that you're forgiven, begin to walk in the peace that comes only through a relationship with God. If, if, if that's either, if you're either of those, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up as high as you possibly can. Get ready. And this halfway stuff to shoot up and say, "Yes, that's me, and I want that relationship with Him." Ready? One, two, three. Lift it high. Say, "That's me, and I want that." Thank you. Lift it up high. Thank you. Thank you. You're saying, "I want to be set free. I want to be forgiven. I want to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm only going to walk in that peace that comes through Him." Is there anyone else? All right, looks like the hands are down. Let's just all pray this out loud as we pray with those. And those that lifted your hands, pray this. And as you say these words, make them your own and pray them from your heart. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me and make me new. I'm sorry for the wrong I've done. And I thank you that you paid the price so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about ResLife, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.